Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 51. You've got Chris and Brian. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Velociraptor problem. Indeed. Um, um, I had to be reminded of what this is, so I'll let Brian illuminate and elucidate so that so that you guys can catch up too. Yes, in the original uh, Jurassic Park from the 90s, um, the, the misguided folks on that island end up squaring off against a trio of Velociraptors. And what they find is the Velociraptors are pretty smart. Um, there's one at 12 o'clock, and then one at 3 o'clock, and one at 9 o'clock. Um, which means the Velociraptors have learned how to flank. Uh, and that, that's important because bad guys oftentimes hunt in packs, uh, much like Velociraptors. And our typical training, uh, especially on the square range, we tend to orient targets, cover everything to deal with problems um, exclusively at 12 o'clock. So trying to, to work outside um, the square range or to break that square range mentality and start thinking about, you know, how do we put targets safely on the range, you know, at orientations other than directly at 12 o'clock. Um, how do we work with multiple targets? Um, how do we utilize cover effectively so that we can engage, you know, both targets or engage in sequence both targets and not be completely exposed to one or the other um, until after we've dealt with, you know, one of the problems. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, in, in a big part of the real-world training mentality versus square range training mentality, um, you know, the, the square range limitations are there for a reason. You know, it's, it's like Top Gun. The rules are in place for your safety. Um, you know, it, it, they're there for a reason, so trying to figure out a way to work around them means maybe stepping outside the box a little bit um, and, and doing different things, but you can do things where on an NRA range, you don't want to ever break 180, um, and expose anyone behind you, especially to, to a direct muzzle, much less something indirect, assuming the backstops could not necessarily be safe in those locations to catch rounds and stuff like that. Um, you know, we, we were with the, the facility that we use has backstops intended or has backstops and side berms that are to some extent it, it, it designed to catch rounds so we can set stuff up to break us to a position where you're close to 90 degrees, maybe you're 80 degrees off of, you know, down range and you can engage targets and things of that nature. Um, but a, a lot of this was, was not just that application, but I think also use of cover. Um, we preach on a regular basis, hey, don't crowd cover, don't crowd cover, don't crowd cover. But there are certain times where you better crowd cover. Um, and so, you know, we, we found ourselves in a situation where we're using basically, you know, barrels as cover. Um, any of you who have met me know that I have a really hard time hiding behind a barrel. Um, I'm a barrel myself. Um, so, you know, you're trying to hide behind a barrel and keep your butt from getting shot the other way and, and you know, just adapting to those kind of things. And then as well, uh, you know, dealing with some concepts that a lot of folks don't think about, but maybe the LE guy should. Uh, if you've got two, two bad guys at 90 degrees offset from you, in two different directions, obviously, 90 degrees offset from each other, um, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where you're putting your, your flank to cover and utilizing your armor as cover, um, you know, or something along those lines, because that, that may be a poop sandwich, but at the same time, it may be the best option you have. Um, you know, the yeah. reality check may be that you're using cover from the guy that's beside you because he can shoot through your arm, your lung, your heart, and your other lung. Um, whereas the guy facing you with your armor has got to go through your armor. Um, you know, nobody wants to get shot, but it's working through some of those kind of real world problems. Um, and then that's what we were doing. And it was, it was definitely an, an interesting tell because some discussions came out of it 
and I think maybe some learning or at least some alternative ideas came about from that. So good stuff. Yeah, there was no really, <clears throat> as I think I put it that night, um, there was no right answer, but there were definitely wronger answers to yeah. solving the problem. Yeah. Because um, it, it really is a sucky situation to be one person and getting, you know, flanked by two bad guys. Yeah. Or, you know, having, essentially being stuck in an L-shaped ambush, which is bad. sort of what we were replicating. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, as Steve Fisher um, from Sentinel Concepts puts it, we bring, you know, three things to the fight that we can use as cover. Um, those being body armor, buddies, and bullets. Um you know, if we're civilians, uh, we've probably got bullets. Maybe we've got buddies. Yeah. Uh, we probably don't have body armor on a regular basis. Um, for you LE guys, you know, being able to, to have armor, um, you know, my opinion is I'd rather be shot from the front, you know, straight on, than um, get shot through the side. You know, if we look back over a lot of the military casualties from the global war on terror, um, the guys that got shot in the chest from the front tended to survive, yeah. provided they were able to get to a medical facility within an hour or so. Um, the guys that got stitched up from the side um, pretty much always died. Yeah, taking taking you know double double lung shots and all the vasculature that re resides yeah. between the lungs is a is a really hard thing to recover from. Um, you know, so that's a lot of you know if you guys talk to people who train the the training changes in how we shoulder a rifle in the last 20 30 years and some of the different things we do to remain squared up to a threat assuming we're not behind immediate cover moving to and from cover and some of the different things you do like utilizing your upper body as a turret when you move to face cover is probably as for law enforcement and military is as much about having the gun on the target as it is about having armor on the target as well um you know so you know do we want to do we want to put ourselves in a position where there's potential to get shot no um, but in certain lines of work and in certain, you know, certain times in life, that's maybe something that's kind of unavoidable. So, you know, it's, it's doing it the best we can possibly do it. Um, and so some of that orientation type thing matters as well, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, definitely thinking about how we stack or sequence, you know, problems that need to be solved, uh, so that we can better utilize cover to pr protect us from the second, third, you know, problem that we need to solve in that sequence, um, you know, be able to rapidly address problem one yeah. and then move on to problem two, problem three, you know, and down the, down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, on, on, you know, guys, one of the things that to take a look at too, from a training perspective, um, we're, we're very fortunate that we have access to a facility that, that lets us utilize that facility to the whole. Um, that lets us maximize the opportunities within that that location safely, um, but it is an incredible facility to utilize. Um, if if you've got some place where you can go train, where you can go, um, and I'll give you a really good example. Uh, I um, I have family in in northwestern Ohio, which is relatively flat, um, but there are a couple places where you have um, like the Tiffin River runs through one of the properties. And we have access to a 40-foot high wall as well as a ravine that allows us to shoot, you know, easily 180 or more degrees to the sides and potentially more than that depending on where you utilize it. Um, you know, if you've got access to a piece of property where you can put somebody in a position where they're, they're wandering into a, a beyond 180 range or at least a 180 range, then you can utilize that to, 
you know, doing target to target transitions in an El Prez at 21 feet with targets, you know, three meters apart or whatever the case may be is interesting, but it's nowhere near as challenging as literally going 180 behind you and engaging a target that was behind you. Um, you know, and having some of that more, there's more dynamic opportunities. That's also some things that can happen in certain class environments, certain training environments, because the access to ranges that trainers have can often be greater than what you may have as an individual. So, you know, another really good reason to go seek out that higher level of training and to go seek out the buddy with a good piece of property and, and assess that property honestly, assess that property honestly from, you know, and I hate, again, I hate to bring up the NRA in this, but to bring up, you know, to look at it from the NRA's perspective, you know, what, what, where are the rounds going to go? Do you have enough backstop? Do you have enough distance? Do you have enough dead space and things of that nature? And can you shoot on someone's private property and do some more dynamic things? Um, understanding that, you know, in the past we've talked about training plans, safety plans for the range use, evac plans and things of that nature. All those things need to come into it, but being more dynamic with the range uses, it's, it's really nice if you can do it. Yeah, same thing if you're moving dirt to build, you know, walls or build a berm, um, having, you know, a second wall at 90 degrees to your first one gives you a lot more capabilities as to what you can do on that range. Yeah. Um, we definitely encourage making those walls as high as you possibly can. Uh, what is it, 21 well, if feet, you, 25 feet? If you, if you use them as a backstop, they need to be as tall as a backstop. I mean, in general, that's kind of kind of the mentality. Um, you know, based on some re recent legal wranglings, um, I, I think, you know, the general acceptance, um, it, like for the state of Ohio, for example, for their training facilities and ranges and stuff like that, there's a big push to get everything to 20 feet. 20 feet seems to be kind of a almost a minimum standard height for a backstop. And so if you're shooting into a sidewall, it's now a backstop. It probably should be there too. Um, on private property where you control, where you can control how firearms are used, who's allowed to use the facility and clamp things down a little differently, um, you know, it's, it's going to be at, at the user's discretion, but it's also going to be at the user's liability as well. So those two things go hand in hand, bear that in mind as you're setting those things up. Um, I've seen some private ranges where they've literally strung like ropes and stuff like that, you know, maybe eight or 10 feet off the ground. And where they've only had like maybe a 10 foot berm, or I mean a 12 or 15 foot berm, but they string a rope and say no muscles above this point, you know, so you can do vertical limits, lower limits and right and left limits, you know, just the same. So, you know, manage those risks. But if you can put yourself in a position to have that more dynamic range environment, it, it really is a big deal because you can, you can train to a lot more options and a lot more, uh, a lot more responses to things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and then when we start thinking about, you know, how we position or how we set up simulated cover, um, again, you know, normally when we, we build a, a range scenario, um, all of that cover gets oriented to, you know, 12 o'clock. Um, in this case, we had some, some barrels that were uh, paired up side by side, but the pairing was vertical instead of horizontal, so it mm -hmm. gave you more cover to that 90 degree if you chose to use it that way yeah you almost had to move with the cover or move around the cover kind of as you engage targets um, so again trying to trying to make this scenario a little bit more okay i'm in it now how do i utilize everything i have to solve these problems absolutely and i think too you know trying to trying to mimic the world that we live in you know we 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 tend to work around or 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 live around hard 90 degree corners in a lot of places and, and barrels aren't a good analog for hard 90 degree corners 
Um, you know, we think about vehicles and we used to think about vehicle transaxles and vehicle engine blocks. And now we think about pillars and stacking pillars and getting as many pillars between us and the bad guy and, and really staying upright and vertical mobile and, and having good visual awareness of what's going on with the bad guy. Um, it, it's, it's difficult to do that with barrels because they block your view. And with a car, you can kind of see through the car a little bit around the pillars. Um, you know, they don't give you a good hard corner. Um, you know, b build some barricades, build some plywood barricades. The Viking Tactics land barricades are freaking outstanding. Everybody likes them for the slots, but the reality is they do give you a vertical 90 degree corner to work off of. Um, most ranges that host IDPA type events or USPSA type events have some panels set up that you can put in the ground, um, you know, in place vertically and give yourself that structure, that, that common internal building structure with 90 degree corners. You know, utilize some of those props to work around and do different things with. Set up realistic, realistic size doorways, um, you know, and different things of that nature so that you've got to work things properly and, and not necessarily simulate them, but actually utilize a doorway. Um, and the nice thing about the props is that they're designed with safety in mind for USPSA or IDPA. So they're generally made out of mesh or something that's visible. So you can check downrange if you're doing some of these evolutions in a low light environment or a no light environment. You can run a handheld light downrange, make sure nobody's downrange, pasting, taping targets, hanging stuff, picking up brass, mags, whatever. Um, you know, some of those props actually make it safer. Um, and yeah, you can kind of cheat and see through and see what's going on. But, you know, that, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, you we're know, utilize what you're range. Plenty of people screwed up even trying to Oh, cheat. yeah. Yeah, totally walking up to it and trying to cheat and look and see what's going on and then step through the doorway and still screw up. I mean, there's a reality check to that. Go go, go watch a USPSA match. About every third shooter walks off the range going, God, I had a chance to run through that two or three times and still must it up. Um, but at least they're out doing the training and getting the reps in and stuff like that. And so this is a way to think about it for you. How do you utilize what you currently have available safely? Um, if your range has bays, those bays probably have corners. Make sure, read your range rules and your bylaws for your club and make sure you can utilize those corners and exactly how you can utilize those corners because your 180 doesn't change putting 12 o'clock into the corner. Your 180 is still the backstop of the bay, but it doesn't mean you can't utilize some of those different things just like you would in an IDPA match in the same bay. Um, you know, so take advantage of, of what you have available to you facility-wise for certain. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to mention, you know, shooting steel. Uh, I got a real nice piece of spall that left a, <laughs> a pretty good mark on my belly. Uh, you know, if you are shooting steel, uh, make sure that steel is in good condition. Yep. Uh, our steel is in good condition. Uh, I don't know if I shot the round that hit me or my partner shot the round that hit me. Yeah, I'm not came sure. Back. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, be aware of, you know, with steel, um, things tend to come back, have good eye protection. Uh, I've been having really good luck with the new Magpul uh, Radius. Yes. Yeah. Uh, big eye box, really good field of view. A little bit um, high on the brow so you can actually cheek a gun and see through them without running into the top of the lens. Um, the Radius also is designed, some of the new Magpul stuff are designed as, as sunglasses. These are literally designed as shooting and working glasses. Um, the, the Radius built into them, as, as the name states, um, it is truly that wraparound style of lens that gives you really good visibility to both sides. Um, the plastic is a really good clear optical quality plastic that allows it's not distorted. Um, really a neat, neat set of glasses. And they don't look totally like, um, I, you know, I, I pick a fight with your mom in Walmart model of Oakley, whatever, you know, that's obnoxious. They're, they're pretty subdued. So good stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, same thing, you know, doing more dynamic training on the range. Make sure you have a proper trauma med kit and know how to use it. Yeah. Um, that should kind of be a prerequisite for doing any kind of dynamic stuff on the range. Yeah, and then, and then you know, I'll, I'll throw out there, too, that, you know, we have our tribe, and, and our, we're very, very fortunate, actually, that we have two different tribes um, that, that everyone within those two groups is pretty flipping squared away. Um, you know, if, if you're bringing somebody out and throwing them in the deep end doing this stuff, um, you know, not, not just in a low light environment, but especially in a low light environment, if somebody's relatively new to this and doesn't have a lot of experience working around structures, working corners, um, tactical movement, etc., and in a mastery of manipulation and use of the firearm, um, throwing them into the deep end by taking them out and having them do 90 degree work or 180 degree work, even on a square range in the daylight is throwing somebody in the deep end. Um, that is not a group event. That is a one-on-one -on -one event. Um, and, and it really needs to be done through a number of repetitions with finger guns or dry guns and then, and then elevated to very slow movement with live guns, etc. Um, you know, so as you're, as you're looking at some of these things, if you've got your tribe and you have some guys who maybe aren't squared away as much or a little bit newer, you need to build a training progression. Um, your pedagogy here needs to be solid. You need to, you need to develop some lesson plans that, that kind of run through making sure that we've confirmed mastery of weapon handling, mastery of ability to hit targets at, at you know, kind of nearly not a subconscious level, but, but at least at a conscious controlled level. And then start working that person through the fundamentals of how do I work a corner, then how do I work a doorway and different things of that nature, and decide whose dictum you're going to follow. Are you, you know, clearing everything externally? Are you, you know, how are you doing this stuff? Then start working somebody through doorways dry, and then with a hot gun down the road. Um, you know, this is all cool guy stuff to do, but the people who do this for a living do hundreds, if not thousands of reps in their initial immersion training on this stuff. And then their sustainment on it is weekly or more. Um, the guys who do this for a living do it over and over and over and over and over. And they don't do it over and over and over and over again because it looks cool. Um, it gets boring at some point. They do it because that's the you have to be that good to be safe when it's real. Yeah. So please bear those things in mind as you're planning this. Um, you know, don't, don't bring somebody into this environment who's not ready to be in this environment and not expect really bad things to potentially happen. Yeah. The, the able, the ability to, you know, render the four rules of safe firearms handling at the subconscious level really needs to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not, not just the ability to tap them, memorize, to be able to state them, but it's gotta be somebody you've worked around. Um, you know, so if you, and you know, I'll throw out another kind of a blurb for us too if you're you know with your tribe if you're bringing somebody new in don't bring them in in the dark um, bring them in in the daylight so you can see what's going on so yeah um, you absolutely know. yep so yeah there's some really good opportunities out there guys it's just a matter of you know how to utilize them best and, and some of that involves some work and some planning on your part that doesn't necessarily involve loud noises it involves maybe sitting down and you know, typing up that, that lesson plan and defining your objectives, defining your safety risks and stuff like that. And then looking at your facility and doing a range brief mentally on your facility to make sure that you're ahead of the game before you show up at the range so that once you're there, the safety's already built in. Yeah. And honestly, you know, starting to think about some of the, you know, the 90 degree problems and whatnot, if you don't have a, a live fire range that you can <clears> utilize, but you have kids and they've got Nerf guns. Um, you can do some of this stuff yes. at your house with Nerf guns. Nerf guns, yes. Uh, you know, make sure 
all of your real guns are, are put away in separate rooms, um, preferably locked up. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure nobody's going to accidentally use a real gun. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can work some of these problems with Nerf guns. Um, you could potentially use, you know, a real opposing force also armed with Nerf guns. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, and start to work through some of these problems. Yeah, I, I can promise you, um, all, of, all of you tactical Timmies out there that just scoffed at that suggestion, um, I can promise you that we have a couple of customers um, who have kids that are under 10 years old that, that might just ruin your day in a scenarios-based thing with Nerf guns because they've done it more than you have. Um, While I'm abiding thinking, by the four rules of firearms, uh, yeah, I'm safety. thinking like like Captain Gimli. Um, I would not want to have to go up against his tribe, even at their tender age. They would burn you to the ground, probably because they had the mindset right too, just knowing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of our partners here um, has has a couple of daughters that that I would I would be hesitant or remiss um, to go up against without taking it seriously, even with Nerf guns, because they just burn you to the ground. Um, yeah, so there's some there's some young Valkyries out there you probably want to watch out for. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be smart with your training. Um, try to utilize your facilities to the extent that you are able to. Yep. Um, safely and to make sure you don't get kicked out of your club. Yep. Yep. Those um, things matter. Yeah. Those things all matter because the liability for the club's real. And if you screw it up for everybody else, um, you, you're, you're an ass. Um, I'll just leave it at that. So don't screw it up for everybody else. Don't, don't be that guy. Yeah, but really do start thinking about, you know, doing some more gaming, some planning and thinking. You know, if you're a bad guy or a pack of bad guys, how are you going to work? Yeah. Um, and then do some training on how to how to beat that scenario. <clears throat> Absolutely. Because yeah. um, I, I definitely want to have been in that scenario in training before I have to be in it in the real world. Yep. Yeah, because then I'll know how bad it sucks before it even starts. So, cool. Yeah. On that note, um, come and see us. We're in Hilliard, Ohio. 4465 Cemetery Road, CapCityOutfitters.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as long as they let us stick around. Yep. Uh, at Cap City Outfitters. Uh, if you got questions or ideas for us to podcast about, um, drop us a line, info at CapCityOutfitters.com. Uh, we will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.